we pass the candlelight and we sing silent night and everybody gets chills and I'm sitting there like going, when can I get out of here? Like, I, I mean, because I'm, I'm tired and I, no, I'm not. That's the thing. Like I, they grow your heart a couple sizes. episode 145 of Pup Theology Live. It rhymes, so you know it's true. A weekly conversation on life yeah, and faith starting, huh? <laughs> over a crab-fruit <laughs> pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome the Reverend Leighton Williams. Leighton is a writer and PCUSA pastor. She is currently based in Charleston, South Carolina, where she serves at Sunrise Church on Sullivan's Island. She also is the author of Holy Disunity, What Separates Us Can Save Us. Welcome, Layton. Hello. Happy to be here. And you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash pdlive to get started. At a mere $2 a month, you'll have access to some extended interviews with guests like our very own Layton here. Uh, you can also see some exclusive pre and post show videos and discussions where sometimes we extend the conversation or we just have a whole bunch of new conversations that have nothing to do with the show. Uh, like today, some fun, <laughs> some fun kitchen mishaps on Layton's part. Um, you want to tune into that. And if you go all the way up to the bartender level, we will come do a live show in your town. So head over to patreon.com slash Live, and you can join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even YouTube using the hashtag PTLive. Thank you to all y'all who are sponsoring us on Patreon right now. Today we are discussing um, Christmas shopping, favorite songs of this time of year, and if there was a war on Christmas and possibly some even decorations. So what are we drinking friends while we discuss these hot topics hot um, topics <laughs> um i am drinking uh something that my parents call a cranberry doodah which uh, i don't know where they got it from but it has been their holiday drink for years they used to throw a party every year and they always made them um and it is really simple it is frozen limeade uh jellied cranberry sauce and a lot of vodka and ice. And uh, this round that I am partaking in during the show is a, is a test round uh, for uh, my boyfriend and I for later tonight um, because I only have a personal size blender and the recipe <laughs> was full size blender. So I just had to guess at the proportions and then throw in some extra vodka. Um, it's pretty good, I gotta say. Do you drink them? All the doodah day. Let's go with yes. <laughs> She's a, you're you're in too good a mood today. You I know gotta, you sound what? like you've been drinking them all the day. I am so happy to not Seriously. be writing anymore that it's just ridiculous. And oh I'm God. filling in for Brian with the dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, fair. 
And I'm pouring Apparently, that's my role today. <laughs> so, so, so cranberry, you said it was cr- like from the can, jellied cranberry. Yeah, like the jellied it? cranberry sauce in the can. Yeah. Frozen limeade. By the way, all of this sounds delicious. It's like, so good. I probably went a little heavy. Heavy on the limeade. Delicious is not the word I would go for. It's surprising, but it's great. I'm not. I'm not going to judge it to like try it. Just visually, it looks nasty. It looks looks beautiful. It's all pink. Oh, it's actually very pretty. Although I do, I have to say, I did not add enough ice. It's supposed to be like slushy, and instead, it's just liquidy. But I feel like that's what happens when you celebrate Christmas in the South, though. You have like slushy drinks. Like we have like yeah. hot so things. Is there, is there a story behind when that drink was created? Was it like we got vodka and let's see what else we got? Like what what what's, what's the story behind that? Well, I mean, cranberry and vodka go together. It's true. And my I will say my stepdad is a big fan of uh, the jellied cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. But um, there probably is a story, but. My parents are not really the sharing type, so I can't claim to know anything about it. So if okay. I were writing that story, it'd go like, it'd go like, so yes, cranberry and vodka is a drink, but they were like, we're out of cranberry juice. Ah, oh, we got this jelly stuff. Let's <laughs> blend it and see what happens. About three drinks in, then it's like, you want to throw in some limeade? Just the best part is that my mom's recipe is like can of, like I said, made for a full-size blender, can of cranberry jelly. Uh, can of limeade and then fill the can of limeade with vodka and dump that in. <laughs> That's the best. Nice. So I was like, I have no idea, but I'm going to put in three shots and see all what about, happens. All exactly. about the vodka. Uh, I'm drinking a Harpoon Winter Warmer mm. with nice. cinnamon and nutmeg. It is a holiday ale because I am getting into season, the festivities. Because you are a holiday guy. Yes. I um, am drinking an RAR, a local brewery, um, called Country Ride, which is a pale ale. Um, I it, It's funny. I always associate it. It's got this weird car um, on the back of it, which has nothing to do with anything. But for some reason, Country Ride always does. Like, I associate with Christmas because, like, Grandma's reindeer song and let's go for a sleigh ride. And I don't know why these two are equivalent in my head, but. Nonetheless, it's a lighter beer. It's not a, necessarily a country or a Christmas beer, but um, this, this that looks car like a, looks like a DeLorean. It does look like a DeLorean, doesn't it? I know. It Did totally you make it through does. all the all the what is it? The Elf drinks already? What what's the one you like? The what? Shannon. Yeah. Oh, the oh Mad Elf. Mad Elf. Yeah, we're 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 slowly. We have like I think we have a six pack left, and we're we're rationing those. Gotcha for sure. Okay. Um, I may drink one next week because that's the last. Or maybe two weeks. I don't know. I need to look. I'll drink one right before our last our Christmas episode again. I'm also drinking it out of our country boy brewing glass. So like fancy. I feel like I have a country theme going on. That go. is fancy. For it a second is. I thought you were holding up literally another beer. Like I'm also drinking this. <laughs> I'm also just, drinking. Just pour the beer from a can and into a fancy brandy snifter looking glass. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a brewery glass, but nonetheless, you know, whatever. So, um, the, when do you typically do your Christmas shopping is the first question. Are you, did you all see that Enneagram thing that was up on Facebook about your Enneagram number and when you went yes. shopping? Oh yeah. I was think it true to you? Well, the four one was like, spend as much money on wrapping paper as you do oh, on yeah. the gift, which no, I wouldn't say that is 
I wouldn't say that's accurate, but I think really what it's getting at is, yes, I do put as much thought into like the circumstances around the giving as the gift itself, right? Presentation is everything. So Um, when do you, when do you shop? Well, (laughs) uh, hopefully I'll let you know when I do. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I mean, in a perfect world, I would probably start that right after Thanksgiving. I'm not, I'm definitely not. My mom is one of those. She did her shopping in September. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister Meredith, who follows in that vein, uh, did all of her shopping in October. My other sister Margaret and I are like definitely the the hangers back. But uh, I don't know about y'all, but I guess because Thanksgiving was so late this year, just everything has felt super rushed. And so I was out of town all last week. So this is definitely late even for me. And I have not bought a single gift. Um, I'm starting to stress out about it. Yeah, we have two things under the tree that came in the mail. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm all about the uh, online Black yeah. Friday, Cyber Monday sales sort of mm. deal. So I, I start racking up some things then. Um, and as the month continues, I'll, I'll see the problem. The problem, though, with with the especially the Black Friday, some Cyber Monday online sales is that I keep finding stuff that I want. Yes. And right. Then, and then, you know, I'll send links to the people who tend to and buy me gifts. So we're done. If, if you, you know, if you need some ideas, but then traditionally over the years, not a lot of that stuff has shown up. Mm-hmm. So then I'm torn between, is this the year I just buy the stuff for me? Mm-hmm few years back, I was actually banned from buying anything for myself from October on because... Because you bought everything you wanted and nobody I, had... Right, because yeah. the sales were on. Yep. And when, yep. you know, if there was a flash sale, send a link, you gotta buy it today. And then they wouldn't buy it today. I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna... I get accused of that because if I like really want something, I just, I just buy it, you right. know? And then it's like... Well, well, you, you know, you have everything or whatever. And, and then it but comes I, to Christmas and I'm like, I don't know. I don't need anything. No. Like, yeah. Cause you buy it. Like, see, stop I, doing I, that. I never get to that place of, I don't need anything. <laughs> I'm like, like, I've always got a list. I've always got a list. It's like, it's like one of those magic lists that never gets everything crossed off. So, you so know, I, I will say that I do, I, I'm a big Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that weekend online shopper. I do not go out. Like, um, in fact, I, anything that I need to return, I have one trip that I make like on a Monday morning or something, right? When nobody else will be around and I'll do that. But what I, what I am good at is what I'm okay at, I guess I would like to get better. Um, but things like stocking stuffers and like those little things that like you want to be special Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you do that all in December, it's, for me, it's like, it's a bunch of crap. Like it's candy or like, not that candy's bad or, but if I, if I keep an eye out all throughout the year for those little kind of things, like then I, like, those are the things that I'm most excited about. So I try to do that all throughout the year. Um, I do also hit up a lot of post Christmas sales. Mm. So See, like, I can't, I can't do the through the year thing because two, I either forgot what I bought or I forgot where he hit him. Well, you got to have a system. Like I have a box in my closet that is gifts because same thing for the kids, like birthdays and stuff. Like there is a box up there. And anytime, right before I go out and shop for their birthdays or for Christmas, I open the box and I see what I have. So, you know, plus Derek and Thomas's birthdays are in January. So I have to kind of double buy for Uh, them. Oh, that's, yeah, that's real. 
I will say my my big struggle every year, or I, maybe struggle is a strong word, conundrum is, you know, I have been single for most of my adult life. And even when I haven't been, I have pretty consistently woken up alone on Christmas morning for whatever reason, mostly because I'm a pastor, right? Um, and so like year after year, I'm left with this decision of like, because we do our family Christmas always, always like a few days later, right? And mm-hmm. that's when we... Um, and my family, the adults do like a secret Santa thing and trade names and then we get the kids gifts. So that all comes on like the 28th. Um, and so like there have been years when I have gotten myself a gift and wrapped it and put it under the tree and like not let myself have it. Till um, last year, which was my first year really having a real tree and like decorating my whole house. I got it in my head that I was going to convince a few different friends to exchange gifts and like mail them to each other so that. I mean, I was pretty explicit. I was like, I just want to have stuff to open on Christmas morning. Um, And I asked four friends and they all said yes, but two of them forgot. (laughs) So it was a little bit of a letdown. I liked the, I mean, it was fine, but so I ended up, I did have, I had two, I had three gifts under the tree on Christmas morning because I also did a gift exchange uh, with this uh, Facebook group I'm in. But this year I was like lazy and I didn't do any of that. And so I'm kind of sad. I'm like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just going to wake up and just Note to self, send Leighton Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't plant this conversation here at all. <laughs> but. I guess, but I'm feeling, you know, like we, an Amazon we shopping the, will come to your door soon. Yeah. As we're on the topic, you know, this this Christmas day will be the first day, I think, in my entire life that I will be waking up on Christmas day by myself. Really? Yes. Uh, so my, my daughter has a whole month off starting from... I think she'll be home December 15th and goes back to school like February 20th. She'll be here for a grand total of five days. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> and then they, she's out doing her thing. And then Sarah's going to go visit her brother and his family on Christmas. It's not going to work out for me to get there this year. So Christmas Day, it'll be just me. So I might I might wrap some things up for me too. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of nice. I got, um, you know, Shannon, the, the year that I really did a big gift for myself and wrapped it under the tree was the year I got BB-8. Mm, nice. I, uh, I preached yeah. that the Christmas Day service that year. And so I opened it up on Christmas morning and then I took it into the church office and I drove it all <laughs> over the building. So uh, speaking now, of shopping and delivery, Shannon, I must say... Uh, um, I listened to last week's episode, well, some of it, and um, I heard your apology to me for the Amazon shopping that you do, considering I just quit Yeah, uh, well, shopping, shopping Amazon. I rely a lot on Amazon. So, so I, I, I just want to say thank you. I, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm acknowledging your, your noticing and saying, saying something. No, about, listen, about and I, I, you know, I think that is a huge thing that you're doing and i i really wish i have started you have inspired me to do this i have started um as a step down right um Mm -hmm. i've started to not do next day delivery on everything but like have everything be saved for that one delivery day they now have that option that you have an amazon day and so I, and especially right now, because I'm like, you know what, there, there isn't a rush because even if I get it next week, I still have a week to wrap before Christmas. So like, there's no real there. Like, I don't need this tomorrow, you know, and like trying to slow myself down, which is for me, a step out of 
Amazon is to like listen. You can't you can't argue the convenience and when 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 you when you got a life like yours and there's like four kids and there's all that you know to I mean to let, each let, your, to each his own. I, yeah. I don't know if Layton's aware of my Amazon boycott. Are you aware of my Amazon? Boycott? I am aware. Okay. I I think we last talked about it in the context of being authors with books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, so I mean, I will say that like the majority of my Christmas presents do come from Amazon for everyone. Um, I also, I, I do the online shopping. I also like, I order my groceries online and go pick them up at the store, right? Like this is, and this is just my life right now. <laughs> sure. And I, I yeah. genuinely hope to someday wean myself off of these conveniences. And yet at the same time, right now in my life, which everybody has their own choices to make right now in my life, time is absolutely the most precious thing. Yeah. And so if, if I can multitask and order my groceries while I'm waiting for my kids to finish their piano lesson, I'm going to do that, you know, and I'm going to stop by and pick them up on the way home from work. And it's an interesting, I mean, I don't think this is really in our list of questions, but an interesting thing to talk about is that we're always, I think a lot of us in that struggle about how do we walk that middle ground or balance out the whole you know, uh, commercialism around this mm-hmm. time and what it means. And um, it, it almost feels in many ways we've been duped into the given spirit of Christmas as an excuse to buy more stuff. Yeah. Well, and that I will say. All the other ways we can give to the right. people in our lives without spending money and making billionaires richer. And that I like, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% okay with utilitarian gifts, right? Like I'm all on board for getting everybody clothes that they are need anyway, or shoes they need anyway, or, you know, whatever. I mean, I throw in some fun things. The kids this year have requested their rooms be redone for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we're also implementing this thing over Christmas break where um, everybody gets like a day of Christmas break that they get to choose an activity. They could also choose a non-activity, right? Like Mm -hmm. we choose to stay home today or um, we want to go to the aquarium today or we want to go to the trampoline park. Like, and that's part of their present is that oh. like, like we as a family, you each get an experience that you want to do that something. Is, that is some, I love that. that is some brave gambling as parents, man. Well, <laughs> it is, but I mean, there's, there's like a limit, right? There's like a $50 limit. Or I was going to say, you get veto power or whatever. Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, like we can all go to the movies or something. Like we can all like mm. go see Star Wars or we could go see, like, I'm super excited about Little Women, which. I might choose as my activity and Me nobody too. else is going to be happy about. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited about that too. So Noah, so Noah, we want to go to Florida and see the new star Wars. Uh, right. Adventure. No, no, no. It needs to be like okay. something we do, but I, but I do want to name something about um, the, which, which moves us into our next question. Uh, to be honest, one of the things that I have to say, I have not, I stepped foot in one store so far this holiday season and um now before i would i was gonna say i'm trying to remember when the first time i heard christmas music in or holiday music in the store so Mm -hmm. i've heard holiday music in the store but i've actually (laughs) since before thanksgiving i have only gone to one store at all so my my limit like i've had a very limited screening of crappy holiday music 
Mm. Um, <laughs> which I have to say wasn't my intention of non-shopping, but doing or doing shopping online, but has been a great benefit. And so our next question goes, um, is there a holiday song that you're already tired of? Um, or what is your favorite secular holiday song, your favorite religious holiday song for Advent, Easter, or other? Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, ha- I do, I just want to throw out that like the lessening of shopping has lessened my, oh, I'm tired of that, you know? Right. I, I, I'll start. I cannot stand Dominic the Donkey. I will never, ever, ever, ever listen to it if it ever comes on. You really don't know this song. Never. I have never. no idea what you're talking oh, about. Really? Thank God. Thank God that is ending. <laughs> like the trauma <laughs> of that song is ending in the world. Okay. Don't look it up. Do yourselves a favor and don't look it up. <laughs> Noted. Wow. Okay. So this is weird for me. We are like about nine days into December and I have not heard any Christmas music yet, like consciously or accidentally mm. i've not had any eggnog yet mm. i have not put up any decorations yet wow this is the you do one. have your black santa sweater out so i do have that that yeah. i noticed of, that sort of counts as a decoration i guess that i think i decided today um or suggested today that instead of actually getting a tree i'm just going to take a big wall and make a tree shape out of christmas lights on it because uh, <laughs> yeah it's a whole it's a whole hassle for me in the tree and the thing and thing and the, yeah I, I i'm feeling lazy this year i don't i yeah. don't know why it is i think part of it actually is connected to joy not being here because a lot of times right she, she drove that as well mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know it was part of the ritual of things we we did together so i'm maybe feeling less enthusiastic about it in that way but well and Sarah's yeah, still in the I'm middle kidding. of school and everything so exactly. until she's done she's not e- motivated e- exactly to... and and things are just getting busy at work so i'm just like right and, uh, yeah sl- slow slide into christmas when i do start when i do start oh what's your first it? album what's the first thing what's the first thing you hit straight no chaser really yes i love their holiday stuff That's i did the acapella, acapella yeah the acapella group i did yeah. put a holiday uh little decoration but yeah straight no chaser and then don't judge me glee oh, remember the tv show glee yeah like the show was a mess but those song arrangements were on point and they did like four or five christmas albums yeah and it's straight no chaser then to glee then motown christmas yeah we're we're anything the goes. first album is motown christmas first like no question out of the gate Day after Thanksgiving, Motown Christmas. That's when Christmas decorations come down to Motown Christmas. Uh-huh. The tree goes up to Motown Christmas. Like <laughs> everything. I have video of the kids singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town with Michael Jackson. Like the whole thing. Nice. Yep. So, do, they, it, do they know about Michael Jackson yet? Have you? No. <laughs> Maybe next Christmas. <laughs> I mean, he's Jackson 5, Michael Jackson in Motown Christmas. So fair enough. Oh, anyway. Michael. Um, you know, actually my answer to that is weird. Uh, the, I do have an album that is the first thing I listen to. It is what I listen to when I decorate my tree and when I take it down. Um, but it is not actually explicitly a Christmas album. It is the soundtrack to, uh, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Good track. Good tracks. We, uh, we saw that show at like the local theater one Christmas when my sisters were in town, um, when I was a kid and then I, I guess my mom bought the soundtrack there or got it from a friend or whatever but 
we listened to it for the rest of the Christmas season after that. Cause whenever we saw the play, it was like maybe a few weeks before Christmas. Um, and so then it became like a thing, you know, like in that way that you're like back at the right time of year and it makes you remember a thing. And so like the next year I asked us to play it again and so on and so forth. And so like now it's a thing. And what's funny is I'm the only one that cares. Like my mom right. does it because I insist on it. But like for me, I'm like, it must, it's not Christmas until I until. have heard this album, which I literally never listened to at any other time in the year. So, um, yeah, that's a pretty solid. And then I, I was going to say, um, I also have not heard much in the way of Christmas music so far this year, or I mean, maybe I have, and I just like, it's in the background and I don't pay attention, but nevertheless, I do have a song that I'm already tired of because I'm tired of people talking about it and that is that yes and mary did you know song? Oh. i do not care what my opinion is i just want them to shut up about it it's so annoying I, I by the way i totally Shannon, feel Shannon's like brian is trolling me with this this question like i read it and i was like brian is baiting me he baited me last week trying to get me with it and he's baiting me again with it so the resurgence of the argument is yeah. that the writer of the song and he did. He totally yeah, commented on my blog post, which I deleted. And then I was really mad that I deleted it because I, so he's going around he's saying the same thing on everybody's posts yeah. about Mary. Did you know? And he's saying, I didn't ask you, or I wasn't asking you. And I deleted the comment because I was just like, I'm just done. Like I'm, I'm right. done. I wrote that blog post years ago and I'm done with it, but I really wish I would have kept it so that I could respond back. Maybe you should have. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you should have asked me or consulted um, a pastor that knows literally what the heck they're talking about. You know. Hey, write write it again. Time for time for a twenty twenty update, twenty nineteen <laughs> update. Write it again. So man. somebody has. I'll try to find it and repost it on our um, Facebook page. Somebody has rewritten the words to really? the song. Um, now it's not gonna. It's not gonna change. Like some people love the song because it hits something in them about having a child or children of the future and not knowing what beautiful things they may be able to do in the world, right? Like that's the heartwarmingness, the emotional reaction of the song. Yeah. And I, I get that and I respect that. Theologically, it is super unsound. Like, it's actually also musically, it's a pretty song. It's, I mean, it, it has its moments, right? And so they've rewritten the song to like keep that bit of wonder but have the theological significance that we're all looking for with the magnificant in mind so i'll repost those yeah. words on our and our thing so now it's like yo mary peep this well it's it's i don't have it up right now but it's it's something very like um did you know that you're foretelling Mary? Did you know that your, your words would inspire us years later? Mm -hmm. Like, did you know that you are these beautiful things? Did you like it, it? It, anyway, it's got that same idea, but I do have to say, just going back to the, like what, yes, I'm sick of any song that has like, that is complete theological crap. Right. Yeah. Including things like Christmas shoes and you know all these like like i'm a stick with the classics girl but absolutely remake them in new ways right like ogan you just named two groups that like took the song and remade it and into something new i absolutely mm -hmm. love it's in four movements the oh hello's christmas family christmas album 
super amazing. Mm-hmm. Listen to it right now. Um, I also like um, the future of forestry has an two or three, actually they just came out with a new one advent Christmas albums that are beautiful. They're wonderful. Um, if you have not listened to straight no chasers version of the 12 days of Christmas, yet you haven't lived oh my gosh that one's so much fun that most of my most of my holiday songs that i hate come in like rocking around the christmas tree and here comes santa claus and Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you know which one i love i i was trying to think of this as like a i guess this is secular um and it's there's nothing particularly special about it nor do i have any particular sentimental attachment to it but every year, the one that like gets stuck in my head throughout the season and like I love is that um, the "Have yourself a merry little Christmas." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that line about um, that's the song that's like through the years we. Yep, that's together. it. That one. It makes me like weepy every mm-hmm. time, right? Because you, ju- I feel like the holidays are such a time for noticing change and like returning home, but also noticing people who are absent yeah. one year. You know, all this stuff and and just the like. You know, for and we'll get into this later, but for all the crap capitalism and consumerism of Christmas, like that idea of just having it's pretty secular, but it's still this impulse of like this is the time to regather with those you love. Um, get to me every time. I love it. Never get tired of it. That that is a good favorite. Yeah. So if <laughs> as we're like it's so interesting, this this pivot of like <laughs> We're talking about the majority of Christmas music that we're hearing is is in stores and out there in the world. And then, so then the question is, like, is there really a war on Christmas when this time of year, everywhere we turn is about Christmas? Right. And so... so short, short answer is n- no. No, there's, right? There's, like... No, Christmas is, like, the ultimate crossover religious slash secular event like Mm -hmm. like people who ain't who aren't christians who haven't darkened a church door in like ever (laughs) celebrate christmas even even you know and whether it's a secularized version of it or not it's the fact that it's it's grounded in this religious holiday and occurrence so so the fact that I don't think there's I mean not even Easter has this crossover appeal no matter what right. they try to do with those damn Easter peeps right. um <laughs> you know Christmas is like the ultimate crossover event and I I never I mean I understand why they want to keep propagating you know the the war on Christmas thing but it don't yeah. make sense no, no that's nobody, really he's a nobody's upset with it (laughs) that's really interesting to me like yesterday or last week we had this really interesting conversation about advent so brian and eli and and i were on last week and if you haven't listened to last week's episode like i get all weepy about advent i have like none of those feelings about christmas Hmm. because like of all the commercialism because of all the capitalism because of all the like baggage of presence you you don't so are you so you don't consider advent to be part of the christmas tradition you're making a distinction between advent and christmas and everything that i talked about everything that i talked about theologically last week right that might be part of the show i didn't listen to that's right about the (laughs) incarnation of god of my belief in the waiting and the renewal of god's love in the world right Mm -hmm. that that all of that of course like advent and christmas are tied together you can't you can't have one without the other 
But when I think right. of Advent, I think of that. Like I think of this theologically beautiful and significant time. When I think of Christmas, I think of trees and lights, which I both love and decorations and cookies and food and family and presents. And none of so, these things are bad, but they're not theologically significant. So for you, Advent is the theological spiritual aspect of this time and Christmas is the more secularized. Well, so we made it that words. way, right? Okay. Like, Yeah. I mean, actually what that made me wonder, or maybe I'm stating the obvious here, but is is what makes Advent stand out that it is inherently countercultural to the season, right? Like yes. it's calling for waiting and patience and preparation like christmas is all those things too you gotta wait i mean hey i'm not fighting against christmas i'm just saying that like christmas is a joyful celebratory day and like our secular interpretation of the entire season mirrors that whereas advent is sort of telling us to put the brakes on that mode right for a bit longer than secular society and that's where i want to say like if there was a war on christmas like if which i again there's not in terms of everything we just talked about what there is is a lack of of and i'm not talking about signs that say jesus is the reason for the season right like that is i mean I'm but not talking he, about, but he is, <laughs> but he is. I'm not talking about the kitsch though. Right. right. Like I'm right. not talking yeah. about the shaming decorations out there or songs that make you like, you know, we give thanks to the Lord above because Santa Claus comes tonight. Right. Like I'm not talking about that, which by the way is a line from here comes Santa Claus. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not talking about that. Like uh, out of all of Advent, Christmas Eve is my least favorite as a pastor. Like it's a room full of people where half of them I don't even know. Yes, I love that families are gathered together in a pew, but I'm much happier as a pastor when families are gathered in a pew together in the middle of February than I am on Christmas Eve. Um, We pass the candlelight and we sing Silent Night and everybody gets chills and I'm sitting there like going, when can I get out of here? Like, I, I mean... Because I'm I'm tired like and French. I, no, I'm not. That's the thing. Like I they grow your heart a couple sizes. There you go. Well, because the like the sermon is one of those things. It's like Easter. Like I can't talk about the things that I want to talk about. And it's really it's really bad when Christmas Eve is on a Monday and you oh, the no, church that the is day so worse. You know what? Christmas Eve on Saturday night and Sunday are my least favorites. Like when I yeah. Saturday night oh, when I have goodness. to get up and go to church on Sunday morning are like murder. And oh my See, gosh, guys, the I'm, last time I'm, I was so I'm hungover. with you leading up to the Christmas Eve service though, but when those when those candles are lit and we start singing silent night like it, it all goes away like you lose my, it my heart melts i am See, i get that feeling late and talked about with that song i'm just like oh this is here's this is my problem I'm with right. it i'm standing there in front of the congregation with a candle all by myself no mm-hmm. we'll stand with them then go stand with them and they're my family and their families and they're all together in this community where's your family and it's one of those moments where i feel completely separated where's your family are they there they're sitting in a pew together no you gotta go join your family or pull them up on the stage with you <laughs> i'm like, dead serious <laughs> and, and no but there's but that 
like, I love, I love the communal aspect of it. I love all of these things. I love that people from the neighborhood show up on Christmas Eve and on Easter. I just want to be able to give something that isn't kitschy, right? Like, I feel like yeah. Christmas Eve has turned into, like, we've turned away, like, and I've, I've participated in it, participated in it. I sing the favorite songs and, and preach a sermon quote unquote, that is story-like that helps you feel warm and fuzzy, right? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that because I don't think Christmas Eve is the time to push people. Um, All right. I got to go rewrite my talk then. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like now's not the time to give them a lecture on the evils of capitalism when they're about to go open, you know, all of these. Definitely rewriting the talk now. (laughs) Um, but, But to your point though, interestingly enough, <laughs> to my just point, saw, yes. Just saw Layton's message. Three shots of vodka was too much in her. Uh, yeah, I saw that too. Uh, there. Nice. Which... Uh, but interestingly enough, the, the fact, the fact of what you just said about families being there maybe for the first and only time in the year, for me, I get the opposite effect. I don't get. I don't. You know, we we kind of mock them as the you know the Christmas Easter crowd. Easters. But 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 for me, but for me, the fact that at least that time of year, even more so than Easter, everyone says, you know what, we are going to go to church as a family because it's important to at least one or two people in the family to be at the right. service, and we're gonna put aside the differences, we're gonna put aside our cynicism, we we are going to go together to this service, light some candles, sing some carols. It, it, for me, it's like, it is, it is the moment that I have the greatest hope mm. that we can at least um, put aside our differences and do something together. And, and I'm not, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't see it yeah. in any other church service of the year. I'm not against, I'm not against any of that. And I, I, again, I love these carols just as much as anyone else does. Right. And I, I, love the ambiance and the feeling and and i just i just need to admit the the reality that i play into this christmas is a time of warm and fuzzy um and christmas eve is the epitome of that like in worship services listen you Um, just came back from sabbatical you should be like happy man this i tell you what this coming back thing has um, (laughs) been so much harder (laughs) i itch so with that, there are part of the Christmas story, and I think this is part of it in the time of the year. Like Advent ends in the birth of a baby, right? Advent ends in the birth of God with us, God incarnate on earth. The Christmas season, which by the way, is when we just talked about all these people coming to church on Christmas Eve and all these things. Like the Christmas season is when everybody disappears and you have these super important texts, like scriptural yeah. texts, that nobody hears. So what immediately follows Christmas is the slaughter of the innocents, yep. right? And the family fleeing to Egypt, right? Which nobody ever hears those. Like, and then the, and then eventually, and then we skip to the Magi coming, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean nobody, right? The old faithful come, but. This is, this is where I want to kind of walk that line of how do we, we're not allowed, right? Or, or we don't let ourselves, I'll say that for me. It's not that I'm not allowed. I don't let myself push on Christmas Eve about this. 
So there's a church in Southern California that put up a manger scene. A lot of churches put up a manger scene, like in front of their church, right? Um, but last Saturday evening, they put up a manger scene to reveal Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as border detainees, each figure isolated in its own chain-length cage with barbed wire on top. Um, the Reverend Karen Clark Ristine, the church's senior pastor, said this, a nativity is the theological equivalent to public art, and the role of public art has always been to offer awareness. Jesus taught us kindness and mercy was the radical welcome of all people. I would also go farther to say, like, it's, it's not just about art. Like, it's fairly true. Like, I mean, I, like, if Jesus were to cross the border from Mexico right. to the U.S. today, like, it's fairly true of what would happen to them, right? Yeah. So what's, uh, what's the response to that? Yeah. First of all, I just want to say, because I might forget later, um, a plug for a book. This is kind of random, but this installation did make me think of it. Um, it's called The Messiah of Morris Avenue. I think the author is Tony Hendra. I read it like back in high school, so it's been around for a while. Um, and I don't even, I don't know much about the author, but it's kind of written as humor. But the whole premise is like Jesus comes now and his name is Jose and he's you know, uh, I can't remember where his family is from, but he grows up in Brooklyn and he's Latino and it mirrors all the same miracles and everything. Right. But it's like against the backdrop of xenophobia and immigration and all of the, yeah, it's like an interesting, um, portrayal in light of this conversation. Um, I, I thought the, um, you know, that church has a history of doing, um, nativity scenes that that make some kind of social commentary mm-hmm. um and i thought this one was very very striking i mean like literally my jaw dropped the first time i saw it and i think to your point about like this is not so far-fetched if jesus were here today is this idea of like the the weight of what we are collectively complicit in doing is is would stand in the way of God with us, right? Like that nice. is how intense what we're doing in, in dividing ourselves from others and dividing families and, and um, incarcerating people and all of this. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think it is really powerful to be given the reminder of that weight. And I mean, I think the flip side is like, it is sort of tragic that it takes seeing that imposed upon the Holy family to, to make, somebody recognize the gravity of what's going on. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a both and for me. And I haven't seen um, it this wait. year, but last year and the year before, and maybe even the year before that, there were all of these conservative Christians coming out with these things like Jesus's family were not refugees. That is a lie. Everything about that is a lie. And I'm going, right. What Bible are you reading? Right. Like, <laughs> Do you, I mean, if you don't, like, it's in Matthew, right? It's in the gospel of Matthew yeah. that, I mean, after the, the wise men leave, God comes to Joseph in another dream. Like Matthew's the story that God comes to Joseph in the dream the first time to say, it's okay. Mary really did conceive through the Holy Spirit and marry her anyway. And, you know, whatever. So God comes to Joseph in another dream and says, bad shit's about to happen. Get out of here, right? Take your son, take your family to Egypt. Um, and then the slaughter of the innocents happened where Herod um, kills every child under the age of two in the area, right? 
Um, what part of that doesn't fit under refugee, right? Right. I, 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 I think, I think the issue is how we try to um, define or compare what uh, terms we give to things now. So when we think a refugee now is someone from some war-torn nation, somebody who's, you, you know, is having, or 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 they're trying to um, be, become a become a citizen here for whatever nefarious reasons. We 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 have a lot. I don't think we quite understand in the average American's day-to-day life what other people endure in other parts of the world and what it means to be a refugee and why people go through the danger of becoming one because it's a dangerous process in and of itself as dangerous as staying where your life is in jeopardy. And I think another one of the objections to people are is some people conflate the refugee um, element of the story with why are you making it as the nativity because they weren't refugees when he was born Um, i've heard some people say that you can't don't set up the nativity scene as a refugee uh sort of situation or don't speak to jesus being a refugee at christmas time because that didn't happen when he was born again not the point but but i'm just you know seeing a lot of the excuses that that people come up to to separate themselves um from from that aspect of it plus there's always the fallback of you know everything that happened in jesus's life if not our own lives was ordained and being used for the glory of god therefore jesus going over to egypt and doing all that was him not being a refugee it was god saving them so there's there's this distinct um re retelling or re-understanding of the story and there, there there's not there's there is just i think an intentional disconnect from the fact that we re, like you were saying shannon they were they were running for their life well they were running for jesus's life um because right. he would have been on the chopping block right. uh, the church by the way is claremont uh, united methodist church and i went to the pastor's facebook page and it is just fascinating yeah I bet <laughs> the comments that people are, you know, uh, uh, rolling out about this. Uh, we should also mention that at the church, they have a inside the church. There is a, um, I guess, the family reunited nativity scene um, mm-hmm. as well. So it's not just the only one um, outside with them yeah, separated. And, in, and for a in couple of years now, people have been putting um, the whole family Right. A couple of churches, right. The whole family. I think what made this one unique was the three individual cages. Cause that's, that's what's 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 happening. That's what's happening now. Yeah. uh, You know, children uh, being separated. And I think one of the interesting, one of the interesting pieces of the, of one of the comments was this also this common argument that um, if they cross the border legally, they've broken the law. Therefore, they get what they deserve if they want to become asylum seekers go through the process of applying for you know becoming uh, a refugee seeking asylum mm-hmm. before you get into the u.s the law actually is you can apply for asylum at any point whether right. you are right. outside the u.s or inside the u.s and it's often safer and easier and you get a quicker process if you are already here on u.s soil 
So that's part of the the reason why the the you know the illegal crossings are happening so that the the application for refugee status and asylum can can happen a little bit easier, quicker, and probably safer. Um, I mean, I think I, what, I think the I think the churches and the and the church has a history of doing this with their nativity scenes of sure of, right no right like Leighton alluded you know, to that yeah uh, like so, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Okay, update for those of you wanting to know, um, Leighton, is, her spaghetti sauce is totally scorched. And if you really want to know what that means, I think you should be a Patreon and listen to our pre-show recording. Leighton, have you not figured out that typing it is not going to save it from getting on the air? Like, <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to give y'all the choice. <laughs> we so, would always choose to say it out loud. Just right. note to self. We're always <laughs> gonna. We're always going to say... So notes from Leighton today. Um, don't use your brand new cast iron skillet to make your spaghetti sauce and three shots of vodka in the special drink is too much. Um, <laughs> the more you know. I think, you know, one of the things, um, one of the things that, that is hard in today's culture and, I, and one of the things that I'm part of my lament of Christmas Eve worship is that we are, we have become biblically illiterate, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, and so we only grab onto the stories that we like and that we want. Um, and we don't always read through the hard text. We don't always understand that we lift up, you know, the, the Exodus story. Like this has happened before. This is part of a deep rooted part of the history that when Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, Pharaoh started killing all the baby boys under the age of two, which is why Moses's mother put him in a basket and sent him down river. Right. And then fast forward here, this, like, this is starting to happen again, which, you know, mirrors this kind of what's, what's starting to happen to the Israelite people. Um, and this is, this is actually what political asylum looks like. This is what seeking that looks like. Um, it's an escape from persecution. Um, but anyway, um, I just... I, I want to take... I want to uh, respond to something you just said. I don't know that we're becoming so much biblically illiterate as it is we refuse to let what's in the Bible change the lens through which we read it. Um, we, we, we decide on the lens and everything that we read, we try to fit into that lens. Um, so, for example, uh, um, naked pastor David Hayward. I don't know if any of y'all mm-hmm. follow him, but one of his more popular cartoons is he says um, it's is an image of Jesus talking to uh, a crowd of modern day people, and he says the difference between me and you is you use scripture to determine what love means. I use love to determine what scripture means. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're gonna have this whatever lens you choose to read the Bible through. It doesn't matter what the Bible says, you're going to make what you just read fit your narrative. And I think that's the issue. Many of us, too many of us are not allowing the scripture, the Bible, any spiritual or religious teachings to adjust our lens, to to change the lens, to change the prescription. And I think that's the issue. I think it's both and. I do. I think it's both and. I think that there are there are people who are very biblically illiterate who have such thick goggles on, right? That they really can't see. This is, 
every time there's a you in scripture, they think it's about them and not the y'all, right? Like that, that is really what is saying, but English sucks for a lot of reasons, you know, um, like, and yet on the other hand, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, progressive Christians that are trying to make an argument that don't have the biblical literacy um, and it, and it's frustrating to watch. I mean, I, I watch that over and over again. And so it's kind of a both and that I, I want our, um, I want us on more of the progressive side to have more of that grounding so that we can um, make this argument back. Right. And, and not, not in the fighting way, but, but I, you know, having that kind of old Jewish rabbinic argument, right? Like, well, maybe it means this, or maybe it means this, or maybe it means this, you know? And, and yes, absolutely. The ability to open scripture, um, you know, we take that image from Luke on the road to Emmaus, right? He opened their eyes to scripture, mm -hmm. to be able, like, to use scripture to open our eyes to say, you know, listen, this is a story about God, like, and we're listening to a story about God and how God is in relationship with covenantal people. And let's read it through that lens and then say, wow, that, how could that maybe be applied today? I'm also not trying to take the story of the slaughter of the innocents and the Holy family fleeing to Egypt and saying, it's exactly like this. But I am saying there are some lot of similarities that is hard that we need to hold up a mirror to ourselves, right? Like, it's it's all of the yeah. above, in my opinion. True that. True that. Mm -hmm. True to that, that, that. You're taking, anyway. You're, you're taking the joy out of the season for me. Sorry. Just saying. <laughs> Do you want me to play Here Comes Santa Claus for you? No. <laughs> only, if it's black, only if it's Black Santa. Um, Here Comes Black Santa Claus? I don't think the song would be Here Comes Black Santa Claus then. By the way, I just want to throw out a couple of our Facebook participants say that, um, and their holiday favorite songs, um, Andy, can't pronounce his last name, sorry, Andy, says that Christmas Shoes, he's another vote for Christmas Shoes. I don't even know what that song is either. What See, don't don't look them up. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Just gonna do yourself a favor. Um, and then Drew McCaffrey says the same thing we said. Like we actually haven't listened to enough this year to be tired of it. And I'm I'm convinced that that's because we're not going to stores anymore. Um, or, or listening to radio. I mean, everything or, is like right. We got, we got podcasts and we're streaming the songs we want. We we we've we've taken over what we want to listen to as opposed to just. Yeah, listening. Yeah, absolutely. So he says he's still a favorite of Have Yourself a Holly Jolly Christmas, made famous by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, and the Beach Boys' Little St. Nick. I think you're dating yourself there, Drew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says, as for religious, he likes Oh Come On You Faithful, one of my favorites. We sing that every Christmas Eve, Oh Come On You Faithful. Oh Come On Come Emmanuel, yes. also a favorite. Um, he says he likes the pentatonics and the piano guys' versions. I don't know the piano guys. I don't either. I don't know them either. I like, I like um, God rest you, merry gentlemen, and good King Wenceslas, if for no other reason than they're really fun to sing when you're inebriated. That's true. They are. It's so true. So true. I, um, I actually think my favorite religious Christmas song is Oh Holy Night, but oh. yeah, well, I think I mostly like it because of that scene in Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> 
just like brings back memories. And like, I was going to say, yeah. this is the other side of all of this. Like as much as, you know, we're getting into all this, like the importance of the theology of it all. Like I love the secular parts too. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to take away. I, d- I do want to take away a little bit of the commercialism. Like I did post on our church Facebook page today, like that uh, meme that's been going around that was like the first Christmas the first Christmas was very simple. It's okay if yours is too, you know, like there's something beautiful about getting back to the simplicity of this time. Um, yeah. But, but at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, it, we, one of our, after Motown Christmas, the Charlie Brown Christmas album is the next album to play. Right. And watching Charlie Brown, watching It's a Wonderful Life, like all of those things are traditions in our house. And honestly, watching Little Women, which is why I'm so excited that it's coming out, because that's that's like Little Women is one of my Christmas movies. Uh, same, well, hard to watch. One of the in, one of the interesting things, and I don't know if we got time to talk about it now or a little bit in the post show, but the fact that the Christian Church did not celebrate Jesus' birth for a few hundred years right <laughs> after he was born, they like didn't a, care. They really didn't. They really care. didn't care. It, it was it was you know, um, and I. I, I forgot to look, look it up before we came on the show about a couple of years back. I, I did a deep dive on it and I don't remember a lot. I got to uh, relook it up, but it was fascinating how there, there in the church's history, there's always been this quest to, to um, elevate the importance of certain events and not others. Right. Um, and it's, and you know, what, what, what were the church fathers thinking at that? time that made them elevate a birth it makes me wonder if there were some church mothers who maybe weighed in on some influence there because let's be honest the birth a lot about mary like there's a lot of emphasis on female leadership there yeah Yeah. joseph's joseph's part minimal at bet he didn't he did well according to the story he didn't even participate right even though you know those yeah. of us who are a little bit more cynical about the scripture would say, oh, hell yes, he did. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's a whole other discussion for another but, time. But nonetheless. There's a whole other discussion. Well, um, but yeah, friends. So, it's, it's so yeah, let's, but, but yeah, I, I think that's, um, it, I think it's really good to keep into mind as we walk through this season, especially as we're maybe a little prone, maybe even like myself, right? That I just admitted that on Christmas Eve, a bunch of people come that I don't know. And I have, feelings about that right so maybe we all should dial back our cynicism which is very hard to do you know and just open ourselves and accept what this season has to bring right save your cynicism for easter because i got whole issues you got a whole lot of cynicism for easter (laughs) that's all that's all yeah save it for that don't put me on that week (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's only so much cynicism we can. I can, <laughs> I can, I can accept a birth coming back from the dead. No. Okay. <laughs> well, a big thanks to our special guest, Layton. <laughs> we would like to thank the originator of Pub Theology, um, Brian Burkoff, and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and watch us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram TV. And Spotify now. We're on Spotify now. Oh, Spotify now. Excellent. We'll add that to the list. Sign up on patreon.com slash ptlive for more content. Find or create a pup theology in your town for some human interaction. It's a good thing. Um, Info at puptheology.com slash directory. 
And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.